Yelp. Yelp. Wow. What? 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 It's the nastiest thing I've ever That's right, baby. Here we go, baby. <laughs> Finally here. Hot damn. That weight was crazy. My ADD is maxed out at full capacity right now. I am so fucking happy. We're finally here. The inaugural episode of Chicken Soup for the Fuckboy. I am your host, Ken Ivan, And I am grateful for Fuckboy Limited for choosing me, this guy, this fuckboy right here, to be the one to guide you down the path that is called Season 1. Now, where that path will lead, some may ask. Good question. If I had to put my money on it, I'd probably say it'll lead to some self-destruction mixed in with a little poor (laughs) decision-making. But it's still early first quarter. We got a lot of game left. You feel me? Shout out to Anchor FM. Still can't believe they decided to produce and disseminate this shit. But hey, as long as we get the green light, we're going to fucking rock. You dig? Now look, one thing I want to just get out of the way. We are not your typical podcast, okay? Get that through your thick head. We're not your one episode a week, structured, formatted, never changed. Nah, fuck all that. Okay, and I'm not knocking the other podcasts and shows that do that. Good for them. That just is not how we're vibing over here. Uh Uh-uh. We're staying true to the fuckboy mentality. We're doing shit when we want, how we want, whenever we want. Whether it's a series, a Tinder hack, an interview, an exclusive, whatever the fuck it is. We're putting it out as we go. When we want. Alright? So we're keeping you on your toes. But I can tell you this. With all the crazy shit we got lined up for season one. You will definitely be engaged. You will definitely be having fun with us. Because there is no topic that's off limits. Alright? And anything that we bring on to the show... That we decide to chop up, slice and dice. We're going to go fucking ham. We're going in. Hard as a motherfucker. I only know one speed, okay? And that's hard in the pain. You'll come to find that out real quick. Real fucking quick. Now look. As you know from all the marketing. Our inaugural episode is part one of the vagina convention. The vagina convention. 
<laughs> and while we were in development of the show, trying to figure out what topics we wanted to bring on, what subtopics, yada yada, we kept coming back to the same point. In order to, to really appreciate all the crazy shit that is going on in our culture today regarding online dating and dating apps and relationships and love, sex, all that shit, we have to first understand how we got to this point. So in order to appreciate today, we need to learn about yesterday, if that makes sense. We need a little context. We need a little education, right, on how shit came to be. And so that is why part one of the Vagina Convention is an oral history of online dating <laughs> with a fucking super big emphasis on oral, <laughs> okay? <laughs> Now, what's really cool about Chicken Soup for the Fuckboy, one of the neat fucking aspects to this is our social media. Because that shit is hella on point. Every time we put out a podcast, every time we put out content, we're going to post what we call the cliff notes. Okay? Now, the cliff notes are going to be graphics and content that correspond with what we talk about on the show. Really cool shit. So for this episode, as you're hearing this, you can go on our social media at fuckboy underscore show and you can check out the cliff notes for part one of the vagina convention. Really cool shit. And yo, I would love it if y'all connected with me also. Your boy Ken Iveen. On Instagram, you can find me at original underscore fuckboy with two Y's. On Twitter, I'm OG underscore fuckboy with two Y's. The one and only. I ain't going nowhere. And neither is the fucking show. And neither are you. So grab your notebooks and your erasable pens. (laughs) Millennials, you know what I'm talking about. If you fancy, huh? Grab your iPad Pro and your fucking Apple Pencil. Because when we come back... We're kicking it off with the history of online dating. Let's fucking get it, okay? Don't touch that dial. You're kicking it in with the fuck boys. Ah, this episode of Chicken Soup for the Fuck Boy is proudly brought to you by... <laughs> Man, fuck all that bullshit. Look, we're glad you're here. Make sure you hit the subscribe button. If you're tuning in on social media... Like, follow, share. It's that simple. So, in other words, do it right now. You've reached Anchor FM and your opinions are important to us. After the tone, leave your message along with your contact info and we will be sure to get back to you. Thank you and keep listening. Who are these fat boys? Doesn't Anchor have any censorship? Like, honestly, there's no parental controls on these podcasts, so having my son listening to fuck, fuck boys who are eating soup and shit, it's not happening. You need to take their asses down and do it quick, because I real write a letter. I'm fucking serious. Stupid fuck boys and chicken soup, it's bullshit. You are dialed in. Chicken soup for the fuck boy. Yeah, baby. Uh, 
Yo, this is literally my theme song. Every time I, I walk into a room, that song plays in my head. And I just envision myself running out of the tunnel. Uh, at like MetLife Stadium or some shit. It's your boy Ken Iveen. Back segment two. The inaugural episode of Chicken Soup for the Fuck Boy. Part one of the Vagina Convention. That's right, that's right, that's right. So look, I talked about it before the break. In order to truly appreciate all this shit we're going to dive into in season one, it only makes sense that we understand and educate ourselves on how we got to where we are. So that's why we're kicking things off with an oral history of online dating. Now for us, that history starts in 1959. That's right, 1959. That's You got to realize the whole topic of matchmaking and finding your your most compatible partner and your soulmate and shit, that isn't something that just became relevant in the past few years. That's like an age-old fucking journey, you know, to find that answer for homo sapiens. And so in 1959, way back then, two dudes from Stanford University, Jim Harvey and Phil Ficker, right? They started Happy Families Planning Services, Fucking like I know they weren't marketing majors, that's for sure. <laughs> because the the name of their business is over fucking thirty syllables. So, Happy Families Planning Services. What they did is they utilized a questionnaire, and they took that questionnaire, and they used the IBM six hundred and fifty to generate results. Now they successfully matched forty nine men with forty nine women, and I know exactly where some of y'all heads went just now, mentally, and I get it, but the only thing I'm going to say about it is this, if you didn't already know, back in the 1950s, a lot, a lot less was socially accepted, I'm going to leave that shit parked right there, alright, so now let's jump to 1965, where two dudes at Harvard University, Jeff Tarr and Von Merrill, they're like, yo, fuck these dudes over at Stanford. We got to one-up these cats. So they launched Operation Match. Same business model. They took a questionnaire that was filled out by one of the students. And they used this time, because they ain't fucking around. They used an IBM 1401. Damn! That's right. They ain't playing. They used the IBM 1401, baby, to generate results. Here's the other thing they did. They charged each student $3 a pop to submit that shit. In the first six months, these cats had over 90,000 submissions, yo. Fucking insane. That's a net of $270,000. In today's money, right, that's right around $1.8 million. These dudes were millionaires in college. So at this point, Jim, Phil, y'all are good people, but peace out. They're riding off into the sunset, broke as shit. <laughs> Probably applying for Snap. <laughs> and Jeff and Vaughn are making that shit rain. Okay, they probably own the building that the Snap offices are leasing to fucking give Jim and Phil their benefits. <laughs> so... Now, as we move through this shit and we talk about different companies that launched, 
you have to realize they used, they utilized the tech that was available to them at the time. Okay. And when I say tech, I don't mean just like electronic devices and shit. I'm talking about viable resources that help make their business model more effective, more seamless. So like in the 60s and 70s, there was print media, right? Newspapers and shit. And during that time, the classifieds or the personals, that section started booming. Why, you ask? Because around the late 60s and 70s, the theme, you know, one of the biggest themes of that culture was promoting individualism, yourself. You know, everything wasn't so formal anymore. You know, it wasn't just about the society that people saw at work or at formal gatherings. Now, it was all about promoting your true inner self, the person that you are behind closed doors. And that's why the personal started booming. And that's why some companies utilized print media or the personals to start dating, matchmaking businesses. Now, in 1976, and this here's a little contrast to... Let you know about the sign of the times then. In 1976, Great Expectations is founded by Jeffrey Ullman. Now, this was a video dating service. Now, although it achieved some notability at first, okay, caused a few little waves, it never overcame the stigma. That's crazy. Let me break that down for you a little bit. There was a stigma about letting yourself go, so to speak, on camera, being too open, being too personal on video, which is crazy because at the same time, they're promoting the shit in print. So tell me how that makes sense. It really doesn't. But that was a stigma. I can go through a lot of stigmas today that don't make sense. In any case, back then, that's what it was. And that's in complete contrast to how shit is today because everything is on camera. Everything is on fucking video. I wake up, I go on social media, fucking 80 people I know have a video posted of what their breakfast looks like (laughs) or how well they make a chicken Caesar salad. And honestly, I can give two shits, but it's out there nonetheless, right? Here's something else, something else, because, you know, as I went through this research and as I'm digging and finding shit out and, you know, shout out to Wikipedia for being a huge resource. I was getting the Wikipedia gobsmack a couple times. And what that is, is when you read something that just blows your fucking mind. You almost have to read it twice or three times for it to really fucking like stick, process, right? Resonate. And this was one of them. In the 1980s, Massagerie Roses, they launched dating chat rooms. Using the Minitel network in France. Mark Simoncini. (laughs) Mark Simoncini. Shout out to you, my friend. This bud's for you. Because you were way ahead of the curve. Fucking light years. You were so ahead of the curve that you shot yourself in the foot, unfortunately. And that's what's crazy. That's the shock factor. That you could be so good, so advanced, that it fucking hurts you. It's insane. Now, let's move forward. In 1986, 
the Matchmaker Electronic Pen Pal Network launches. God damn it. Jeez, guys. Like, what the fuck is up with these business titles that are fucking three sentences long? I don't get it. Was that the trend back then? Can somebody send me some info on this? Because I'm a little confused. Like, was it the thing? Like, in order to flex when you launch the business, your shit had to have as many words as possible? <laughs> and if that's the case, when did it flip? When did it become using as you know, using the least amount of words as possible, like Apple. <laughs> so anyway, they launched and the Matchmaker Electronic Pen Pal Network was a bulletin board system for romance started by John Bodie and Scott Smith. Shout out to these dudes because they utilized one of the fucking most crucial things that we leaned on in the 90s and that's the fucking bulletin board. I'm 36, I'm a millennial. If y'all are around my age, then you know all about the bulletin board. Whether you were walking into an AMP or you were in the foyer of your fucking school or the lobby of a corporate building, there was a bulletin board. And that shit was booming. That's where shit happened, yo. That's how people network. That's how deals were made. That's how fucking businesses were born it was all from the bulletin board and now it can be used for dating which is great because when jim jumps on the matchmaker network jim can find lisa on the bulletin board and then jim and lisa hang out they go back to jim's place they get it on and pop in but jim's jim's fucking bed breaks one of the springs goes and that shit sucks so what does jim do jim goes back to the bulletin board Finds his local bed repairman. (laughs) And now he can get his bed fixed. For when he hangs out with Kim. His next date on the fucking bulletin board. So that shit was crucial. And they hung around for a while. They had a little bit of a shelf life. The following year in 1987. Telepersonnels was created as a separate telephone dating system. But they were up in Toronto, Canada. Okay. They were hanging out with the Raptors and shit. What's cool about them is they utilized the telephone, which wasn't going anywhere. Obviously, the main form of instant communication at the time. They exploited it. They created a business out of it. And they lasted. They had a long shelf life. Longer than most of these other companies we've talked about. They actually lasted so long that they overhauled and revamped their business model a couple times to stay current. When home computers became a thing and most families or most people in the country had a personal computer at home, they revamped and went digital. They had a website. So they lasted. Shout out to telepersonnels. Now, 1994, KISS.com, they launch. They're recognized as the first modern dating website. Now, when y'all get a chance, I want y'all to do something. Okay. Go visit kiss.com. When you do, you'll realize that all my research is fucking true. Because you'll realize that the website was created in 1994. It's fucking so outdated. You're going to feel like you hot tub time machine back to the early 90s. 
I swear to God. The second the homepage loaded, I half expected a dude to fucking come on the speaker. Welcome. <laughs> you know, you've got hoes. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm kidding. I kid you not. I blacked out. I thought about two hour delays, soap operas, the price is right and reruns of Saved by the Bell. And I got a nosebleed. <laughs> this shit was crazy. I don't know why they never updated their shit, but it's still live. It's still there. And it looks like it's still got members, which is fucking crazy. So not only are they recognized as the first modern dating website here on Chicken Soup for the Fuckboy, we're also going to give them the title of first modern dating site to stop giving a fuck in the same year they launched. Awesome title to have. Good job, guys. Good on you. In 95, the next year, and y'all know about this shit, Match.com launched, okay? A fucking powerhouse, dude. They're still around. They changed shit. They really did. They're a Power 5 dating site. Matter of fact, I would say they're like the Notre Dame of dating apps, dating websites, excuse me. The Notre Dame, because they, they're, they've always been there. You know about them. Now, you may not know a single player on the fucking team, but you know the team, you know the colors, you know the mascot. They've hung around, and they ain't going anywhere. They may not be super relevant, but they're always present, and you know who the fuck they are. So that's why, in my opinion, Match.com is the Notre Dame of dating websites. That brings us to the next guy. And by golly, we fucking put together an entire segment for these dudes. And you know who they are. The HNIC of dating websites. The Hiroshima and Nagasaki of dating websites. And I'm talking about motherfucking eHarmony. Okay? Motherfucking eHarmony. Yeah, exactly. The fucking number one contenders of this shit. These guys disrupted shit, broke shit down, and rebuilt the dating world single-handedly. And I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you all about it when we come back. We successfully have gone from 1959 to the year 2000. You guys have learned a couple things. Congratulations. You guys uh, just earned three credits in the Fuckboy Limited Masters Academy. Congrats. This is your first lecture. But start a new page. Because when we come back, y'all, we diving into eHarmony. The motherfucking Alabama of dating websites. Let's fucking get it. Chicken soup for the fuckboy. Oh, we got gone. What's up, everybody? It's Ken Iveen, your host from Chicken Soup for the Fuckboy. Look, we want to connect with you guys. We want to hear about your experiences, whether it's catfishing, dating apps, relationships, whatever it is, we want to know about it. Head to our social media and send us a direct message. Also, you can send us an email. Now look, when you hit that send button, that is you giving us permission to read, share, talk about, and maybe even make fun of you just a little bit. But look, 
Don't take it too personally. We just want to get to know you guys more. So start typing and send us what you got. You, you are dialed in. Chicken soup for the fuck you. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Alright, so we're back. Ken Iveen, chicken soup for the fuck boy. Last segment, we talked about the history of online dating. Starting in 1959 and bringing us all the way to 2000. Where, lo and behold, the emergence of motherfucking eHarmony came to be. The fucking HNIC of online dating apps. Excuse me, I'm sorry. Online dating websites. On the World Wide Web. (laughs) So in 2000... Neil Clark Warren, who's a clinical psychologist, and his son-in-law, Greg Forgatch, founded eHarmony. Now, I'm going to stop right there for a second, in case you didn't hear me correctly, okay? Dr. Warren and his son-in-law, Greg, founded eHarmony. Maybe I'm the only one who fucking thinks that is weird as shit. But I just want to break it down for you. Okay. Greg is Dr. Warren's son-in-law. Which means Greg is married to Dr. Warren's uh, daughter. Right? What the fuck are they talking about? (laughs) What, What conversations are they having? That they get to the point where they're like, oh shit, dude. Let's start our own online dating site. Really weird, dude. Really weird. Because I'm piping your daughter. Okay? So if if, if, if I'm sexing your daughter, Doc, why, why are you and I talking about online dating? Why are you and I talking about matchmaking, soulmates and shit? That's really weird. Really fucking weird. Or maybe I'm so weird that I'm the only one that thinks that's weird and awkward as shit. But anyways... They come out with eHarmony, and I'm going to tell you why eHarmony changed the fucking game. Because they were the first algorithm-based dating site ever. Guys, algorithms rule our fucking culture today. If you didn't already know. All these apps that you, that you go on and, and play around with and these social media platforms and these websites, they are all made up of crazy thousand-layered fucking huge-ass algorithms that monitor your behavior, watch your patterns, use your data points, take all that shit, combine them, mix, mash, measurement, and then transform into another algorithm based on all that shit to be one step ahead of you, to almost be so predictive that in actuality, they're almost controlling your next move. It's insane. And eHarmony was the first one to do it in terms of matchmaking online. And they controlled shit. Let me put it this way, right? If Match.com is the Notre Dame of online dating sites, eHarmony is the motherfucking Alabama fact okay because not only are they there every single fucking year but they're at the top okay they're slinging that dick 
hammer dick, dude. Like, real talk. When they walk in a room, people pay attention. Dr. Warren is the Nick Saban of this shit. He really is. I'm going to give you some stats that back that up. From 2000 to 2010, eHarmony had an approximate 33 million members. 33 million members. As of 2012, they owned 14% of the U.S. dating services market. That's a big-ass piece of the pie, dude. Okay? In 2008, okay, about 15,000 people were taking the eHarmony questionnaire every single day. Every day. 15,000 people. And their questionnaire wasn't this little-ass fucking form with a couple multiple-choice questions. Okay, their questionnaire was made up of 450 questions. (laughs) All right? You heard me correctly. 450 questions. You couldn't even fucking catch me filling out something that has 20 questions. Matter of fact, the only thing I'm filling out that has 20 questions or more is a fucking Scantron. And that's if I'm going back to school. If I enroll in the fuckboy limited master academy or something. <laughs> more on that in the future. A little fucking Easter egg right there. <laughs> 15,000 people every day. 33 million members. Here's another fucking stat that's going to blow your fucking mind. And really put the cherry on top and make you understand just how much of a powerhouse eHarmony was. So, Harris Interactive in 2010 came out and said that after finding a match on eHarmony, an average of 542 eHarmony members in the United States married every single day. I'm going to say that again so it really resonates. Harris Interactive in 2010 came out and said, after finding a match on eHarmony, an average of 542 eHarmony members in the United States marry every single day. Holy shit. Okay. That is fucking nuts. If you don't think that's crazy, you have something severely wrong with you. Okay? Because that that is wild. Now, for every good thing that is crushing it, they're going to have a peak where they're king of the hill, H-N-I-C, running shit. But even the Roman Empire had a decline. Am I right or am I right? From 2009 to 2012, eHarmony started seeing their memberships, the time spent online, 
retention rates. They started to go down. They started to decrease. From 09 to 012. Things weren't so peachy anymore. Because they were up until then. They had been profitable since 04. Their cumulative revenue, over 1 billion. Their annual revenue, 250 mil. Then they hit the fucking wall. So Dr. Warren at this point, he had been retired, right? He was counting his bread, you know, probably had some really weird fucking hobbies like a lot of millionaires do and that nobody knows about and he gets away with. And those hobbies probably include 17 laws that are broken, 10 state and 7 federal, but never gets in trouble. But he decides to fucking come out of the phone booth, come back out of retirement, and fix shit. Right? So he closed international operations that were unprofitable. He switched advertisers. He made changes to the board. Fuck you. Fuck you. You're cool. You can stay. Fuck you. And he tried to revamp and overhaul eHarmony. Keep it relevant. He gave it the good old college try. It didn't work out too well. Nah. As of 2017, there were an estimated 10 million active users 750,000 of which were paid subscribers. Now look, you might say to yourself, 10 million million users, that's a lot. Yeah, well, you know, it sounds like a lot. But if a few years ago you were fucking with 33, not so much. And that's what it was. Now why is that? Why is it that eHarmony was running the game and then all of a sudden came to a screeching halt in a three-year span and just fucking turned into a no-name? Went from Alabama to fucking, you know, Michigan State. What happened? Well, our, car, our, our culture shifted. That's, that's what it was, Right? We were no longer stuck at home in front of the personal computer. Now we had tablets, laptops, and most importantly, smartphones. Okay? Smartphones. Let me tell you what else happened, okay? Millennials, they became old enough to drive. All right. They became old enough to have their own laptop, and they started running shit. They started changing the culture changing the world most of us millennials have ADD which means we're in the boat of instant gratification we want shit right away we want it easy we want to simplify things we want it as basic and fundamental as possible while at the same time casting a wide ass net and getting it right away that's what we want and that's what millennials did the smart motherfuckers they went out to Silicon Valley And started running shit. So now you have apps that instead of 450 questions, they're going to ask you eight. 
And once you answer eight questions, they're going to generate based on geolocation and your eight answers, matches and high probability compatible partners based on your location as close as a mile away. Bam. And those compatible partners have also answered the eight questions and they're on swiping right for you. Boom. A chat feature opens up. So instead of filling out 450 questions, which is probably going to take me a week and a half, and then wait in a couple months to generate some, you know, viable results. And maybe after two to four months, I get a date. I can download an app, answer a couple questions, swipe, swipe, put in the password, double click face ID, and I'm getting laid that night. That's what changed. What an evolution though, right? We went from questionnaires and the IBM 650, a computer that was made up of fucking 18 bulk-sized pieces and filled an entire room, to an online site that had 33 million members, to an app that can get you instant results. Can I tell you that right now, there are over 150,000 apps and sites having to do with dating and matchmaking. That's a far-ass cry from Happy Families Planning Services, okay? So, there you have it. The history of online dating. How we got to today. I'm proud of y'all. Y'all earned your first three credits of the Fuckboy Limited Masters Academy. Congratulations. Congratulations. Okay? You guys fucking deserved it. I'm happy for y'all, man. Damn straight it does. Hell yeah. Now look, connect with us on social media. We need that. Check out the cliff notes. Part two of the vagina convention. We're going to be talking about plenty of fish, Tinder, the popular dating apps, the impact that it has on our culture, and the emergence of catfishing and fuckboys. All right? This is just a tip. And guess what? I know it feels good, fam. But wait till we dig in deep, you heard? <laughs> I know y'all like that little play on words, that little innuendo. Your boy Ken Iveen, chicken soup for the fuck boy. Thanks for tuning in. Holla back. You are dialed in. Chicken soup for the fuck boy. What's up with your boy Ken Iveen, host of Chicken Soup for the Fuck Boy. We hope you enjoyed the inaugural episode. We really do. If you didn't, go fuck yourself. But if you did, make sure you connect with us at fuckboy underscore show on Instagram and Twitter and connect with your boy at OG underscore fuckboy with two Y's on Twitter at original underscore fuckboy with two Y's on the gram. Connect, link up, tell us what you think and send us your experiences. We can't wait to put out more content. We need your help to do it. Let's fucking get it. Oh, we go, go. Fuck with us in the-
tweaking, I'm tweaking, I'm 